want to spend some time now uh, sharing in God's word. Uh, There is a word from the Lord today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, or you can um, uh, turn them on, whatever the case may be. Uh, We're going to just look at one verse today uh, in terms of uh, our reading, but uh, we'll we'll again be kind of flowing through those first 11 verses uh, as we did on last week. So this is kind of the second part of last week's message. If you missed last week's message, feel free to go uh, to our website, BethelWeb.org, and there's a media tab. You click that media tab and you can get the audio uh, version of last week's message on the uh, audio. And so be grateful. We were thankful for uh, for that. Uh, before I, I read this, too, I want you to uh, pray for my wife. She is uh, uh, in Atlanta enjoying the nice weather with uh, our son. And our da- my daughter-in-law is uh, expecting our second grandchild. So they had a, a amen, amen. They had a, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still getting used to this granddad thing. This, uh, but uh, they, have, they, they had a baby shower for my daughter-in-law, and uh, she is attending the baby shower. And I, I just don't think baby showers are really made for men, but, uh, but nonetheless. Uh, I, and I understand now guys are going to them, too. I mean, you know, going to baby showers, having fun and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm just old school. I don't know. But, but uh, they had a great time, and uh, she'll be returning back uh, on uh, tomorrow. Uh, so pray for her as she travels uh, back this way uh, and, uh, and all that is going on there in, um, in Georgia. So um, today we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11. The word says to us from the English Standard Version of Scripture, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity. And a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. And so today we want to talk about this, this subject in our Ecclesiastes series. Christ above all things. Christ above all things. Now on last week we shared with you the dynamics of another aspect of the futility of life as seen through the eyes of the preacher teacher Solomon in fact throughout the first uh, 10 verses of this second chapter of Ecclesiastes our author or narrator here highlights several areas of his unbridled pursuit of that particular thing called pleasure ultimately he proved what he thought all along in this pursuit. Ultimately, he, re- he re- resolves that the only thing that really that you can count on in life is that life is futile. It's vanity. It's like a vapor. It can be deceptive. You see it and then you do not. I used the, this illustration in this series before. Like on a cold day, you go outside and you're breathing and you can see your breath, but then it dissipates into the air. And, and so this, this preacher teacher Solomon here is sharing with us the dynamics of how futile life and how deceiving life can be in the things in this world. He allows pleasure to test his heart 
in this passionate, passionate search for meaning in his life. He is like the one who has everything, but really he has nothing. He desperately desires to understand what life is all about. What makes life worth living? Anybody ever been there? I know I have. I know I have. I've had those moments where I wondered what life was all about. And this has been and still is the desperate cry of of so many people in our world today. They are lost. They are lost. And they, they are begging to be found. And many don't even know it. They're looking for answers in so many things that are in this world. So our preacher-teacher narrator begins his quest with this first thing. He says, I looked for laughter. I looked at laughter. He says, I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? Our narrator found no pleasure in the chuckle of humor. He found no lasting pleasure in the giggle of teenage girls or the uncouth humor of teenage boys. He found no lasting joy in court jesters or stories told by, by bards and storytellers with humorous outcomes. He understood that one can only laugh for so long. At some point, we stop laughing. And find that true joy remains elusive. At some point, we stop laughing. At some point, the joke is over. And we all laugh even at some people that, that you know, they laugh so hard at a joke. And they're like, okay, really, the joke, it's over. <laughs> that, that's enough. <laughs> you know, let's move on. But, uh, but so, so at some point, the laughter ends. And he, and he found nothing of value in Laughter. The second thing he notes here is he talks about giving his life to strong drink. He says this in verse 3. I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. Our teacher preacher looked for satisfaction in wine and strong drink. He tried to cheer himself with that which is designed to bring life to the party. Oh, come on here, somebody. (laughs) Good liquor. (laughs) Good liquor always seems to bring some type of, of life to a party, but he found no answers there. He even tried to grasp the foolish behavior that often comes with too much strong drink. I'll just let that marinate for a minute. (laughs) Some of us may have some some memories. (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, just throw your hand up real fast. I mean, don't let anybody see you. But you think about how many crazy things have you done because you had too much to drink, too much wine, too much alcohol, some of the ladies in here are saying, if I, if I had not been drinking, he never would have got my phone number. <laughs> now, ladies, I'm going to tell you, some of the guys are saying, if I hadn't have been drinking, I wouldn't have asked. <laughs> but, uh, but that's, 
That's, that's what it's, it's deceiving. It's deceiving. It's deceiving. So, so, so he tried to find answers in the party life, but there was nothing real found. Our preacher teacher says, he goes on to say that he built great things, had servants waiting on him hand and foot, amassed a great fortune, had more women than he could handle, became the greatest man in all of the kingdom, and he even let his heart find some pleasure in all that he was doing, even while maintaining his grasp on wisdom. Yet still, satisfaction for meaning in life eluded him. Now, all of this, all of this brings us to a bold conclusion here in verse 11. This bold conclusion, he says, then I considered. And I want you to put yourself in the place of this preacher teacher for just a moment. Then I considered. He thought about all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Imagine yourself in that situation where you have access to anything you want in life, doing anything that you want to do, and at the end of the day, you find yourself still sadly missing something great in your life. He reaches the conclusion that no matter what, There is no lasting meaning and joy in anything the world has to offer. Now, last week, I did mention that many of us there would beg to differ (laughs) if indeed we had the opportunity. There are those of us, if we're honest today, that are sitting here would say that if I had millions of dollars, if I was as rich as Solomon, if I was a billionaire, if I had all this money, I'd find some way to find meaning in my life. Well, you ought to talk to some rich people sometime because they'll tell you that money cannot buy joy. Many of us, dream of a chance to really find out if money could purchase happiness. You watch the lotto ticket sales as the, as the jackpot increases. What happens? People who don't, even, who don't even think twice about playing a lottery when it got to almost a billion dollars. I mean, you saw everybody playing like priests, nuns, <laughs> pastors, <laughs> you know, everybody was in the gas station. And, and it was so funny because if you stand in line and you're waiting to pay for your, your gas or your drink, whatever you're buying, you stand in line, you know people that don't normally play lottery because they don't even know how to fill out the ticket. <laughs> They're like, what, what do I do here? And then, and then some people try to be really slick. Let me have five on number 11. and uh, <clears throat> Let me get three lotto tickets. <laughs> because we all think That if we get that chance, just a chance to have mega riches, that somehow that will answer every problem that we have. Oh, and we talk about what we will do, don't we? We talk about what we'll do with the money, how we'll bless so many people. That's right. We say it, don't we? Oh, I'm going to do so much good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy uniforms for the Little League team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy uniforms for the football team. I'll, I'll rebuild a high school and all that stuff. Let me tell you something. 
You get that rich, we might not even see you again. <laughs> I'm talking about, I won't change. Yes, you will. You'll change your phone number. You'll change your address. <laughs> you know, I mean, that just, it just, it's, it's human nature. You think you will do great things. But human nature will have you somewhere over in the south of France or Monaco or someplace like that. And you'll be over there like James Bond, you know, just living the life, you know. So we think that we will can purchase happiness. And I know that we would have to dig deep into the inner recesses of our consciousness, cutting through all of the persona of one who is satisfied with what you have. But maybe, just maybe, some of us wondered or are still wondering if we can truly find satisfaction in the things of this world. Why else would we labor so hard? Why else would we labor as hard as we do to gain and maintain material stuff. We work overtime, double time, extra shifts, just so we can buy more stuff. And all of that OT, let me tell you something, because everybody here is like, oh, I work overtime because I'm struggling to keep my lights on. All that OT is not going to keep your lights on. Okay, some of the reason why you have to work OT to keep your lights on is because you spent the light bill money on something else. Somebody say, ouch. (laughs) So and so we work and work and work and work some more just so we can have stuff. Think about how much stuff you already have. That's why I don't like to move. I told my wife we might be here till the Lord come back or till we go home to the glory. I don't like packing up stuff. And you always find stuff that you thought you had, you had gotten rid of the last time you moved. And it's still sitting there. It's more stuff. I have clothes at home that I will never wear again. I'll never be that small again. I just know. And they're nice clothes. I'm like, we got to give this stuff away or do something because we, we just accumulate stuff. How many people in here have a room in your house where it's just stuff? Come on, just throw your hand up real fast. Just got some, maybe that's just my house. You just got stuff. And it's stuff and it's more stuff. And, and you don't even like going in that room. I've got to go in the stuff room now and pray for me that I'll be able to come back out alive. Because you don't even know what stuff is in there. <laughs> you haven't seen your kid in a couple days. They might be in the stuff room. <laughs> so we, we just have stuff. We, we buy bigger cars than we need. Bigger homes to hold more stuff. And yet we never seem satisfied. There is always something new that we must have. And just so you won't think I'm picking on you today, I have the same problem. I went on Amazon, and our staff knows how much, how much stuff gets delivered here for me. <laughs> but I went on Amazon, and they had this thing called Alexa, Amazon Echo. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, this thing will talk to me. They had demonstration, Alexa, tell me a joke. 
you know, why did the chicken cross? And it talks to you. And I'm like, I got to have that. I'm, I'm confessing here. Work with me. <laughs> Don't judge me. Work with me. Come on, pray for me. <laughs> and, so, and so I think about how much stuff I get that I don't really need. How many women in here have more than 20 pairs of shoes? Yeah, don't let anybody see. They don't want you. How many have more than 40? I don't, oh, my goodness. Look at, look at, well, and, and you know, ladies, I, I, I empathize with you because, you know, they, they sell your clothes so you can, because you have to almost buy shoes when you buy a new outfit. I get that. I get that. Okay. It's like, okay, I don't have any shoes to match this as well as these do. <laughs> So we have, and we are killer. And guys, we're bad too. We, we just get stuff, 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 stuff. And so we have all this stuff. And there's always something new that we must have. Now, I know some of us are sitting here like, that's not me. Everyone's not a spendthrift. On the contrary, some of us are sitting here today hearing this account of the pursuit of material items and we're patting ourselves on the back, essentially saying, I'm glad that's not me. I don't have a stuff room. I don't have all these things. Well, maybe you are the one who loves to save the money gained from the fruit of your labor. Maybe you are the person that has the Dow Jones Industrial app on your smartphone so every hour you can check your stocks, mutual funds, and your 401K. Maybe you like the fact that you have amassed quite the comfortable nest egg for your golden years. You think this does not apply to you because you are a saver. But what you may not realize is that all of your labor that produces your savings still is like vapor and striving after the wind. Not only can we make idols out of the things we buy, but we can also make an idol out of our bank account as well. We can also have an idol by saying, look at what I have. And we go online even when we don't have to. Let me just check my balance. Yep, it's the same as it was five minutes ago. (laughs) Furthermore, All of your efforts to hold that for which you labored are meaningless because even that will not give you true joy because who cares what you have in the bank at the point of death except maybe your heirs. They might care. I don't know. But death, death does not stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. This one can't die because they did a good job saving their money for all their labor. We all must die, and nothing in this world makes it through death's door with us. This is a lesson I I I tell young gangbangers, you know, when when they they have the gang funeral, and and everybody everybody come up to the casket, hey, what's up, bro? All right, man, you know you're dead. All right, hey, take this with you. You know, put a stack of hundreds in the casket. You don't think it's somebody sitting there watching that? <laughs> thinking, how can I get to that casket before we get out this church? <laughs> because it's not going anywhere. It's a false reality. You are not going to take anything with you. Amen. 
when death comes. And this is not just true of unbelievers, but sadly, I think this search for satisfaction in this world is also true for many believers. If we who say that we love Christ still search for satisfaction and meaning in the things of this world, could someone wonder about how much we really love Christ? As we examine the state of the church today with all of its wild and false theology that's going around emphasizing the things of this world as that which is supremely important. What do we see? Here's what we see in the church. We see pastors loving titles. We see Christians loving riches. And we see unbelievers disillusioned when they hear us talk about our love for the poor, but rarely see us give ourselves to help the poor. I might have to preach this one by myself. I just, I see it coming right now. What does the world see in us? You know, sometimes, you know, as we get on our high horse, I'm not giving any money to the poor. Sometimes help is not money. Watch this now. If you know how to run a business, sometimes help is teaching somebody else how to be an entrepreneur, how to be successful, how to run a business. Sometimes it's teaching people how to manage their resources. And most of all, The best help you can give them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when a person truly believes the gospel, their life transforms and they become more upwardly mobile because they start caring about things like paying their bills, living within their means, improving the quality of their lives, going back to school. I've seen people get saved and didn't have a high school diploma who now have advanced degrees because of the presence of Christ in their lives. It seems as if it's right to ask The operative question, are Christians really satisfied with Christ? I mean, can we really complain about living in a world infested with a destructive materialism that eats away at our nature like a virus devouring our flesh? I suggest we cannot complain about the world's materialism if we too seek satisfaction in the things of the world and not in Christ. If anyone should wholeheartedly believe that Christ is satisfying above all things, then it should be those of us who say we love him, who say we will follow him forever. We ought to be the ones. So let us compare Christ. Let us compare Christ to the same things that consumed Solomon our preacher teacher in his quest for meaning. And here's the first thing. Laughter is nice, but Christ is better. Amen. 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 Look at your neighbor. Say neighbor. Neighbor. Laughter is nice, but Christ is better. Watch this now. This world offers laughter instead of true joy. He says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. 
But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? Laughter can mask pain. But joy found in Christ is so much better. Look at what Jesus says about that in John 15 and 11. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Well, what things did he speak? What things did he speak? Here's what he spoke. If you read that chapter carefully in John 15, he spoke about the overwhelming benefits of abiding in him. He said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, ask what you will and I'll do it. He didn't say if you work hard enough, if you do some double shifts, if you kick up some OT, he didn't say if you get a uh, 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 time and a half or double time and a half, you can get what you really need. He says, if you abide in me and I abide in you. He says, I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. In the world, I have humor and laughter, but in Christ, I have joy. Somebody ain't getting this today. (laughs) Let me tell you what laughter cannot do. You cannot laugh your way out of trouble. Somebody who's been in trouble know what I'm talking about. You can't laugh your way out of trouble. In Psalms 27, 5 and 6, we see what David says about this. He says, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. David knew laughter. He was the king. He had court jesters and all this kind of stuff. But he also knew that when he was in trouble... There is nothing or no one like the Lord. I wish I had a few witnesses there. When you are in trouble, there's nothing like the Lord. No one like Jesus. Look at David said in verse 6. He says, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices. Watch this now. With shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Look at what joy did to David. And now, see, get that now. See, for all you hermeneutical geniuses here, let me tell you, don't pass those two words, and now. And now implies that there was a win. I was in trouble, but now. I wish I had somebody here. I was going through, but now, my now is different than my win. And now my head shall be lifted up. Watch this. My head is lifted above my enemies. You want to know joy in Christ? Get you some and now faith. Huh? Tell the devil, look him in the eye and say, you know, I was going through, but right now, I've got some and now faith. I got some and now faith that whatever I'm going through, God is greater than my problem. 
That, that was for somebody in here today. You got a breakthrough right there. You hold on to that breakthrough because the enemy wants to remind you of your history. He wants to remind you of your past. You get some and now faith. Yes, I once was lost, but now. I was blind, but now. I didn't have any friends, but now what a friend I have in Jesus. All my sins and griefs are bad. What a, I feel like preaching today. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Get some man now faith. Get some man now joy. So, so Christ is better than laughter. Now, the second thing that, that, that this preacher, teacher looks at in this text, he's, he says this, and, and here's our second point. The party life is temporary, but Christ is eternal. Look at what he says in verse 3. He says, I search with my heart, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 3, I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart. Guide me with wisdom, how to lay hold of folly till I might see what was good for the children. That sounds like a party, doesn't it? I'm going to hang in there till I see what's good. I'm going to crack this bottle so I can see what's good. I'm going to turn this up so I can, when I get to yours, just say something. So I can see what's good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. See, many of us in here today enjoyed the days of our carefree youth. In fact, we had so much enjoyment, we're having a hard time shaking the habits formed in those days. For example, when the weekend approaches, say about Wednesday, We start getting a little antsy. Do I have a witness here? Wondering what we're going to do on Friday night. It, it seems like all we want to do is just live it up. In fact, in fact, in the disco era, one hit wonders, Bell and James wrote these words that might describe how some of us feel about the weekend. They said, living it up, living it up. Oh, yeah. Friday night, living it up, living it up at last. Then they say this, only on a Friday, never on a Sunday. See, they were good church going boys. They, they know they only partied on Friday because they had to be in church on Sunday. And uh, they say never on a Sunday, never on a Monday. Why? You got to go to work Monday morning. They said this, they said, same situation every day, some kind of voodoo. Same complication, standing away, nowhere to run to. My mind is dreaming, I'm somewhere else. Can't seem to shake it, I miss the feeling. Having fun, no way to fake it. Jump in my ride, it's Friday night. All right, come on back now. I had some of y'all out there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> What this means is that once you start the party lifestyle, it's hard to shake the habits that come with it. The booze, the drugs, the late nights slash early mornings. 
Some of us come in so late we can't even call it night no more. What time you get in last night? You mean this morning? <laughs> you know you bad. You got it bad when you coming in the house and people getting up going to work. These habits can follow you throughout your life. And don't you think for a minute that the enemy hadn't been watching you. He knows how hard you partied. He knows that you got saved and you got delivered and all this, and you know, all this in your life now, you're holy and all this. But he knows that wait till Friday afternoon and your record come on the radio. And I ain't talking about near my God to thee either. <laughs> you know. So, so the party life does not last or fulfill a need for meaning. Time has a way of catching you. Some of us old partiers know what I'm talking about. You got to a point in life now where you say, I would go, but I can't. Ain't no need of me lying to myself. <laughs> I got to be in bed by 9 o'clock. <laughs> Can't do like I used to do. The party life is temporary. I have never been to a party that lasted forever. At some point, the lights come on. And the DJ says, you ain't got to go home, but you got to leave here. <laughs> the party it's over. And no matter how much fun you had, it's done. It's done. But your habits will try to hang around until they ruin your life. Ask any person who became an addict just because they were looking for a little fun. They thought just a bump of cocaine would make it everything all right. They thought that if I just take this drink of alcohol, if I smoke this blood, if I take this upper, I take this downer, that somehow I'm going to have more fun. Ask them right now in the throes of addiction if those habits were worth it. Ask them if those habits will bite deep into your life and never, ever want to let go. But thanks be to God. You didn't hear me. I said, thanks be to God that he sent us a habit breaker. In Christ, we have one who turns our Friday night mess into Friday night praise. I wish I had somebody here. In Christ, the praise never ends. The parties of the world will end. But in Christ, the praise is forever. I do not have to wait for my praise. In Christ, I don't have to wait until things look better. In Christ, I don't have to wait till the circumstances seem like they're improving. I can praise right now. I don't have to wait until the battle is over. I can shout right now. Is there anybody here that has a right now shout? Why don't you just let it out right now? Just let it out. I got a right now shout. Thank you, Jesus. Because I have the victory in Christ. Last thing I want to share with you today. 
No matter what my hands build or our hands build, only Christ gives our lives meaning. Look at what Solomon says in verse 11. Then I considered all that my hands, focus on that, all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity. After wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. The preacher closes this text by saying that he has built many things with his hands. His hands toiled day and night and he saw the fruit of their labor he saw the great buildings he built he saw the many pools he constructed and he knew how much hard work he put into each project but at the end of the day He saw that none of those things brought meaning to his life. Imagine for just a minute being able to make anything you wanted. To build your dream house. To construct your summer cabin. But still finding no joy in what you make. What a quandary He must have been in to have all of these things at his disposal, but still have no joy. It is amazing that our hands can do many things. Here are some amazing facts about your hands. Your fingers have no muscles. The muscles bending the finger are situated in the palm and up to mid forearm they are linked to the finger by bones by tendons to move the fingers as like strings on a marionette and then here's some other things the wrinkles on the back of your fingers are the mark of where the skin is attached to the tendon there are 29 major and minor bones in your hands scientists gave name for at least 123 ligaments 34 muscles are in charge of moving the fingers and the thumb in the palm of the hand 17 muscles are there and 18 muscles in the forearm there are 48 named nerves Three major nerves, 24 named sensory branches, 21 named muscular branches, 30 arteries, and nearly as many smaller branches are named. The thumb, your thumb, is controlled by nine individual muscles. They are controlled by three major nerves 
in your hand. Sir Isaac Newton said this, in the absence of any other proof, the thumb alone would convince me of God's existence. There is no doubt we can do many things with our hands. But with all that we can do, there are some things, my brothers and sisters, that our hands cannot do. Our hands can build a house, but our hands can't make a home. Our hands can make a peace sign, but your hands cannot give you peace of mind. Do I have a witness here? Our hands can spell the word love and even draw a heart, but they cannot remove hate and replace it with true love. Our hands can set a clock, but your hands can give you more time. Are you praying with me here? Our hands can make a fist, but they cannot fight all of our battles at the same time. Our hands can break chains, but they cannot liberate our soul. Our hands can spend money, but they can't pay the price of our sin. Do I have a witness here? We can do much with our hands, but our hands are nothing like the hands of Jesus that were nailed to the old rugged cross. Only his hands can save us. Only his hands can deliver us. Only his hands can protect us. Only in his hands do I have love, joy, and peace, and everlasting life in the hands of Jesus. Jesus is far above everything else. I'm so glad that Jesus is better than all things I'm so glad that he is far above anything in this world even when you sit here today and think about all the gifts that you have you think about all the things that you possess there is nothing so precious as Jesus there is nothing that you have is better than him 